All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very impromptu episode of the Blue Oval Podcast. My name is Garrett Zatlin, and uh, yes, if you're just hearing me, that's because there is no Ben, there is no Mara, there is no uh, guest, it's just me going solo today. And that's because, um, unfortunately, uh, I, I kind of have to replace a written article today with this podcast. Um, my grandmother did pass uh, earlier this week on the 4th of July, uh, so trying to handle the travel, seeing family, and obviously paying my proper respects has taken up a lot of time. Um, but still, just wanted to provide you all with some content. Thought a quick uh, 30, maybe 40-minute discussion would be a really good idea just to hop on the podcast and at least talk a little bit about what I have going on in my head in terms of some of the summer rankings that are coming up fairly soon, probably within the next week or two. Um, so keep an eye out for that. But that's what kind of today's episode is going to be about. It's going to be about some individuals that we're looking at and, uh, and kind of evaluating that there. So before I get uh, going today, uh, if you hear anything in the background, just know like, hey, I'm in a hotel room. I can't shut off the fan. Work with me here. I'm, I'm working on some uh, limited resources, but nonetheless, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, keep leaving those rating and re- ratings and reviews. Excuse me. Um, those are very helpful. I know they don't seem helpful, but they are. So uh, just leave those out there. Um, all right. So let's begin. I'm going to talk about uh, the men first because I think there's some interesting uh, notes that we have already in this spreadsheet between a handful of our writers here uh, making notes on each other's rankings. The one name who I want to start with is Colin Salmon, the Northern Arizona incoming freshman who has obviously taken over the NCAA, the high school scene by storm, 356 miler, um, a complete stud on the cross-country course, uh, just electric in the 3,200 meters. I don't know what his exact time is, but I believe it's in the low uh, 830s there for 3,200 meters. The guy is just a star. He's a true superstar, maybe one of the greatest that we've seen uh, in terms of the distance running uh, spectrum for this era. Um, He's incredible. And in a lot of ways, he actually mimics uh, former high school teammate and future college teammate Nico Young, right? Superstar in high school, transitioning to a program that likely fits his strengths. And you have to wonder what is his impact going to be, whether it be instantly or not. Now, there is some debate, right? Because I think some of us think, okay, well, Solomon is obviously great. He's been historically, I mean, elite. Um, He's one of the best to ever do it. But how does that translate to the NCAA? You know, how how does that translate? There's never any good idea of knowing how these athletes, specifically these high schoolers, are going to come into the NCAA and handle a completely new environment. Now, that said, Nico Young came from the same Newbury, Newbury Park High School that Salmon's coming from, went through the same training, and is going through the same program. Nico Young is one of the top distance runners in the country right now, at least in the NCAA. To think that Salmon, given all that he's accomplished, wouldn't be able to at least be one of the 50 best distance runners in the country, I think that would be... Um, an absurd stretch or a statement to make. Salmon is, you know, spoiler, probably going to be in our top 50. It would be ridiculous almost if he wasn't. And the nice thing is that I'm the admin of this site and I kind of get to override anyone. So uh, luckily, that's not really the question at hand here. It's how highly should we rank Salmon? 
And I gotta be honest, I, I'm usually very pessimistic about freshmen. But everything that I've seen from Salman, everything that I know about NAU, seeing what Nico Young did and how his transition has gone, I, I'm very high on Salman. And I won't say how high on Salman I am, but I will say that another writer said that, hey, there's, I don't think he should be within this top whatever. He, he can't be within that portion. And this is going to be a point of, of, uh, of challenge that I think that we have as we construct and finalize these rankings. Um, you know, I think, you know, trying to meet in the middle is probably what will happen. And it will probably be something similar to what Nico Young did previously. But I actually feel like there's a little bit more upside because as I look at some of the top individuals in these rankings, at least when the, the ones that we know are returning, I I don't necessarily love the guys that we have from, you know, let's say, like 15 or 16 down to like maybe 31. I think there's a lot of variability and vulnerability there uh, based on who we have. Um, don't get me wrong, all of these guys are great talents, but if, if there's ever a year for Salmon to be ranked, you know, super high, it could be in that range. But I'm also hearing, you know, hey, he shouldn't even be in, in the top 40. And I, I, I also get that perspective. You know, I get that. Um, I, it, so it's hard to know where we're going to rank him. Luckily, we have about three or four people who are going to be giving their thoughts and opinions on that. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. I, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see uh, how we go on that portion. I, I want to switch to the women. We'll go back and forth, men and women, men and women. I think if we're going to talk about Salmon, then we have to talk about Natalie Cook, right? Oklahoma State incoming superstar. Uh, I believe ran 1525 uh, for 5,000 meters. She's a stud. She's an absolute stud. She's uh, incredible. She, much like Salmon, I think will be ranked very similarly. Um, I, I don't... I, I, is it crazy to say that Cook is probably relatively better on the women's side than, than Salmon is on the men's side? Is that fair? I don't. I don't know if there, you know. I don't know if there's any. There's that much parity to really argue one over the other. But Cook won two cross country national titles in the span of I think what a week or two. So that paired with her in crazy fast five k time, I think she has to be one of the top names. I I just struggled to figure out how how could she not be. Right, but does that mean top forty, top thirty, top twenty, even top ten? Yeah, maybe not top ten, but I mean, is it fair to say eleven, or is that just way too aggressive? But then again, saying that she's only what thirty eight, thirty nine—that's just not fair, given what she's done. We got to reward her for that, right? And I think there's a lot riding on her success this year. Like Oklahoma State could be a really dangerous team. They've got a scary good recruiting class. Um, they've got Molly Bourne returning. They've got Taylor Rowe returning. They've got some really solid pieces. Gabby Hempman's beginning to really peak in terms of her career. I like Oklahoma State a lot. And I think a lot of their success this fall is going to hinge on how well does Natalie Cook perform? And if she's as good as we think she can be, maybe, just maybe, Oklahoma State women can compete for an outside spot um, on the on the podium. Now, I've always been super high on Oklahoma State women for the past few years. They haven't 
always delivered, but I, I continue to maintain that they have some of the highest um, potential and upside in the NCAA each and every year when you look at their roster. Um, so I'll be fascinated to see what where we put Cook. I have to, we have to talk with Mara. We have to go back and forth. You know, how much do we really value this? Because um, there's other names where it's like, okay, what happens to Stoliper? Marley Stoliper. I mean, the girl was a stud in high school, mainly on the track, but she was very, very, very good in cross country as well. But she was pretty much out of competition for two years, right? And now she's back, was phenomenal at the tail end of the outdoor track season and runs in the 1530s for 5,000 meters. And now it's like, okay, well, what, what happens now, right? Does her experience in the NCAA trump the fact that Cook is still almost 10 seconds faster than her in the, the 5,000 meters? How much does that experience weigh? And frankly, how much does Stoliper's you know, lack of recent racing, how much does that weigh? So there's, there's a few things there where I think you have to take that approach. It's like, yeah, you know, they may be this, but what about this other aspect that people are maybe quick to brush aside, right? You'll, you'll always look at times. You'll always look at finishes. But what about historical consistency? What about the competition? What about their peaks? What about their ability uh, to kind of overcome adversity? Now, obviously, Stollerper has done the latter incredibly well, but trying to gauge where she's going to be in these rankings going to be a little bit challenging. I want to go back to the men real quick. Um, here's another thing where I found very, very difficult to, to put the steeplechasers. How do you rank Duncan Hamilton? How do you rank Parker Stokes? How do you rank Ahmed Jaziri? Do you even rank some of these guys? Now, I, I think there are there is enough there for Hamilton to be ranked. He's going to be ranked unquestionably, and I'll even say he'll probably be at least top 40, at least. That's, I think, a bare minimum of where he'll be ranked. You can probably expect him to be higher, but it's just a question of how much higher. Um, I love Hamilton. I'm a big Hamilton fan, but um, I think it's a matter of how does his steeplechase success transfer over to cross-country. And he was solid last year. He wasn't amazing in cross-country, but he was solid. And I think it's kind of a similar story uh, when you kind of take a look at Parker Stokes. Um, Again, how does his uh, relative youth, now as he steps up and becomes a little bit more mature, a bit more of a veteran, how does he perform uh, on the grass? Now, I just want to go back to Hamilton real quick because I just pulled up his his cross-country results from last year. Uh, Had two rust busters and then was 12th at pre-nationals, right? 12th at pre-nationals, but 10th at big skies. 11th at the Mountain Regional Championships, but 59th in the cross-country uh, championships, which actually a top 60 finish at the national meet. Pretty solid. Again, not amazing, but solid. And all of those results are solid. But the pre-nationals invite, uh, the 12th place finish, that kind of shows us that he can be you know, really a step above where he's not truly nationally competitive with the top, top guys. Um, listen, am I saying he's going to contend for a title? No, he, he's not. He's not going to be one of the 10 best names. But that... 818 steeplechase stuff was really impressive. And so trying to figure out how that's going to move over to the rankings, I don't 
I don't know if I've ever had an issue where I've seen so many guys like Jaziri, Hamilton, Stokes, and even Tripos. You know, Tripos has an extra year of eligibility that he's using at Washington. How does he translate his 67th place finish from last year's national meet after having a, you know another great year um, on the you know on the steeplechase? And Stokes is another guy who you again coming back to him, it, it kind of hit or miss. Kind of hit or miss. Joe Piani, he was 37th, which is fine. You know, it's a fine result. But then 52nd at pre-Nats, which, again, not bad, but it's certainly not going to move the needle in terms of gaining a, a you know a top 50 ranking. Six of the Big East championships, again, not bad. Actually, fairly solid, but not nothing that jumps off the page. And then he wins the Mid-Atlantic Regional title. And you're like, okay encouraging but these are the reasons why we don't look at regional results too closely because the next next week or yeah next week next two weeks excuse me or no i had it right eight days later <laughs> let's just put it that way eight days later he goes to the uh national championships and finishes 169th now does does that support the idea that regional results are negligible and should be totally ignored no that's not what i'm saying uh, especially because national meet results are super variable. You never really know. But everything that I just told you, right? I mean, are, are, how convinced are we that Parker Stokes would be a top 50 cross-country runner based solely off of those results from last year? How much stock and emphasis should his uh, steeplechase success be put into this fall? I, I don't have a good answer. Uh, is he a top 50 runner? I, I'm... Personally, I'm on the line, but I've seen our writers put him in. I've seen other writers leave him out entirely, and it's hard. Um, I will say, Ed Tripos, kind of going to him, he was one guy who one of our writers was, in my opinion, um, absurdly high on. I think way over the top high on. And I said, hey, hey, no way he's going to be ranked that high. And I won't even give away how high it was. But then I look a little bit closer. And then I saw what he did last fall. And I thought, oh. Oh, Ed Ed Tripos is sneaky good. He's He's got some good results. He's the Ivy League champion. And a 67th place finish at the national championships... That pieces together a really solid resume that, frankly, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think he'll. I, I would like him ranked, but if someone in my team can present me a better argument for someone else over him, I'll understand it. All right, uh, let's move on uh, back to the women's side. Let's explore. Let's see who else I, I was kind of really looking at here. Um, yeah, UNC, that's an interesting team to kind of discuss here. UNC last year had all underclassmen uh, in their varsity lineup with the exception of Paige Hofstede, who was a veteran, has now departed. She's gone. I I guess I'm trying to figure out, like, where should their top individuals rank, right? Where do athletes like Brown and Harrington or uh, Sasha Naglia, um, wh- where do those athletes rank in this mix? Because how highly are we going to rank UNC as a team, right? 
I mean, I think they were, what, 14th last year at the NCAA championships uh, for cross country, which is great. And especially when you return as many women as they do, that's super encouraging. Uh, yeah, they were 14th last year. So again, that's super encouraging. And when you return everyone, you have to think, you, I mean, you just have to think that UNC is going to be you know, significantly better than 14th, maybe even in the top 10. But if we believe that the UNC women are going to be a top 10 team, or we rank them as a top 10 team, 8, 9, 10, 11, whatever it may be, then how many individuals do we think are top 50 runners in that lineup? Do we think that three, four, five of them are all just misnames? Um, you know, who, you know, who's really impacting that team to be a top 50 runner? And I don't know if anyone on our team has a great idea about that. That's going to be hard to figure out, UNC just in general. You know, especially it's because it, it's not just because what did you do last year or the previous seasons? What you know, what do we already know about you? It's hey, you're so so young. You're still such a young team. But exactly how does that translate to your upside? How does that translate to your potential? And I don't really know. I, I don't really know at all. Uh, and, and that's and that's challenging to figure out. Speaking of which, I actually kind of want to go back to that Natalie Cook kind of conversation here. And I want to, you know, while we're talking about youngsters, I do want to talk about Jenna Hutchins. Remember her? The girl who was, you know, sneaky good. Not just sneaky good. She was great. There was nothing sneaky about it. She was one of the, you know, greatest of the past decade in terms of high school distance running. I believe she ran, you know, just an absurd 3,200 meter time. I want to say something under 950. I mean, she was outstanding, dominated cross country. You know, of course, she was part of that whole pandemic era uh, just before she she graduated. Um, you know, I think she actually graduated uh, high school early, enrolled early at BYU, um, and is now, you know, now officially with the team, or at least going to be competing with the team. At least one would think. It's a whole it's a whole thing there that I don't entirely know the details of, but what I do know is that uh, we could probably expect her to make some kind of appearance this year um, for BYU. And and frankly, I, I would be shocked if she's redshirted or if she's, you know, delayed in terms of, you know, when she makes her debut. Because BYU just lost a lot of women in, in terms of uh, their scores from last year. I mean, Orton is gone. In a camp is gone. Um, what is it? Uh, McKenna Lee is gone. Sarah Musselman is gone. That's brutal. Um, that that's that's tough. And now, and granted, everything I just said, this is all based on Tifers, right? Sometimes Tifers isn't the most reliable, but this is all based on Tifers. Um, Orton and Camp are definitely gone, and that's two runners at the top twelve from last year's national meet gone. Um, Lee, again, I don't. She's a top scorer. Musselman was a top scorer as well. Um, I'm going to assume that they're done with their eligibility. It's just what Tifer says. Again, if if I'm wrong, I apologize, but work with me here. So let's assume all four of those women are out. Aubrey Fentway is really good and underappreciated, and I I think you know her 38th 38th place finish last year at the national championships is I I think pretty appropriate in terms of the reflection of her actual talent. And uh, I, I, I'm a fan of her. I don't think she's ever going to be maybe like a Courtney Wayman superstar, but she's always going to be that All-American low stick who you can kind of rely on and lean on a little bit. And I think they're going to lean on her this year. Um, I think they're going to have to. And 
with so many so much firepower gone now I, I do like Lexi Halliday and I do think there's a few other like sneaky good pieces on this team that are going to contribute but they still need more and that's why Hutchins is such a key player in here uh, I think if, if Hutchins can kind of you know really just emerge as this star scorer that many of us think that she can be or at least thought that she could be in high school then BYU is not going to be the same team that they were last year but they're still going to be really good. I mean, still probably a top 10 team. And trust me, we were burned once when we said, yeah, like, oh, like BYU is not going to be this good. But they're still really going to be solid if they rally around the right pieces. Again, Frenthway comes back, Halliday comes back, Martin comes back. And if Jenna Hutchins is this top 40 runner, then that's awesome. But this is where the ranking is. You know, our ranking of Hutchins gets challenging. We haven't really seen a race. It's been a while, and I don't know exactly how long it's been, but I can feel confident that's been over a year. Right? Does that make sense? What is it? July now? It's July 2021? Y- yeah, maybe. Maybe that makes sense. Maybe I'm just making stuff up. But I, I don't remember... I- I- I think the last time she raced was, you know, early 2021, late 2020. Again, I could be wrong. But trying to rank someone that you don't really have a lot to go off of, at least recently, is really, really challenging. And that's when you have to gauge the upside potential versus the, hey, be cautious because we just don't know what what she's done recently. That's not a knock on Hutchins. Hutchins is an incredible talent, but we just don't know how we rank her relative to other women who have been racing uh, a little bit more consistently and recently as of late. Um, I'm a big Hutchins fan. I think she's going to be great, but um, at least in terms of these initial rankings, that'll be, that'll be interesting to watch. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm done on the Hutchins part there. Let's go back to the men's side here. A few other uh, challenging names. How do we rank the Colorado guys? Because it's such an interesting team. So here's the thing. Andrew Kent does return, despite what Tifer says. He is returning. Uh, uh, what was it? Austin Vansel returns and Brendan Frazier returns. Uh, they bring in Seth Hirsch from Wisconsin, who's been very solid. It feels like Colorado every year has had you know a star runner leading the group. Maybe it was Herrera uh, recently. Or Joe Klecker and John Dressel. Maybe it was Morgan Pearson, right? Like, I can keep going down the line, like, all the way back to, like, Adam Goucher, right? All, all these guys. Um, but who's going to be the, you know, Grand Slam home run hitting front runner for Colorado this year? Because I see a lot of guys that are really good, solid names. But I don't know who's going to be that true low stick. And so that makes me cautious, right? I like a lot of these guys. Like, I think a lot of these guys could be top 50 runners. Maybe some of them we will rank. Maybe some of them we won't. But how how much better do I think they are compared to one another? Are we really going to put three guys in 
the top, you know, the last five spots or, you know, somewhere in the 30s or even the 20s? You know, are you going to spread them out a bit more? Are we even going to rank them at all? Because do we even think that they're low sticks? Or does it really even matter? I mean, at, at the end of the day, Colorado has just been known for depth and overwhelming you with firepower. And that's just kind of how it goes. There's a lot of great names on this roster. Um, I just don't know exactly how to uh, gauge that. So that'll be challenging. Um, a few more names here that I kind of wanted to like glance through. And again, any name here is far from you know solid from being ranked. That's not true at all. I just want to throw a few names out there that we're looking at and uh, we're trying to uh, figure out. I'll say this, Patrick Kiprop of Arkansas is going to be ranked, 100%. He will be ranked. Um, this is one of those things where it's like, even if no one agreed with me, I would override them kind of deal. Um, stud during cross country, absolutely, I'm sorry, rephrase that, stud on the track, uh, absolutely incredible uh, for the uh, 10K that he was. And actually, let me pull that up right now. I'm extremely high on him, and let me tell you why. Because let me pull up. I gotta I gotta make sure I get my info right. So Patrick Kiprop initially came from I believe uh, Fresno Pacific, if I'm getting that right. Uh, yeah, Fresno Pacific. Here were his cross country results during the 2021 fall. Fresno Invitational, first. UCR 40th Annual Cross Country Invitational, first. D2 Pre National Invite. First, Pac West Cross Country Championships. First, D2 West Regional Cross Country Championships. First, D2 Cross Country National Championships. DNF. That his season as a whole was incredible. At the D2 level, yes. But that DNF, everyone's kind of like, oh well, you know, he was just, you know, that. They just kind of toss it aside. And I'm thinking, this guy was undefeated in five different races, and it's not like he was dodging competition. These were good meets. Sure, some were certainly better than others. Don't be wrong. Um, there were a few that he could just you know cruise through. But one DNF at the D2 National Championships last year should not at all um, be indicative of his true talent. Because you look at what he did this past spring, 28-21 for 10,000 meters, 13-35 for 5,000 meters. That's really good. And it's clear when you look at his marks, look at his mile to 3K to 5K to 10K. His mile goes 412 to 756 to 1335 to 28-21. Do you see that progression? As he gets higher in distance, he gets better. So all of a sudden, I now have a undefeated season up until the national meet. At the D2 level last fall, plus a clear trend of progression as uh, the distance gets longer. Everything on paper suggests that Patrick Kiprop is going to be a massive problem for his competitors this year. I, I am so high on Patrick Kiprop. I, I would even argue, if it was just up to me, I'd put him like top 10. In fact, I think if you're a diehard listener of this podcast, you know that I actually am very high on Patrick Kiprop, and I've said something similar like this before. Now, the problem with that statement is that Ben and Gavin 
are likely not going to let me put Patrick Kiprop at 10. That seems excessive. Um, I also don't think that Patrick Kiprop should be left out of the top 40. I think that's extremely unfair. Um, and yes, believe it or not, we have everything in between about him. That's how much debate we have about him. So I don't know where he's going to end up. I'm going to fight tooth and nail to kind of keep him pretty high. But I'm, I, I, I get why maybe someone's going to say, well, we just don't see, know what he's like on the grass against D1 competition. I agree. I think that's a reasonable concern. But I think it's also a little bit of a stretch concern rather than a something that we have to legit, legitimately worry about. But hey, I, I've been wrong before. Um, all right, so let's wrap up this podcast. Looks like we'll be a little over 30 minutes, which is exactly what I was looking for. So this works out. Let me go back to our women's uh, lists that we have here. Um, a, a few interesting names just wanted to highlight. Taryn O'Neill, Northern Arizona. How do you rank her? Because she was sixth at the NCAA Winter Cross Country Championships in March of 2021. Sixth place. When you play six at that national meet, you are asserting yourself as one of the best, most dominant distance runners in the country. Point blank period. But O'Neill's resume has never, whether it be on the track or on the grass, it's never truly been always that dominant. And when you look at what she did this past fall, she was 42nd at the uh, cross-country national meet, uh, which is, again, fine. Two spots out from an All-American finish. You know, I think any team would happily welcome her scoring prowess. But for us, when we're making top 50 rankings, how do you really look at O'Neill's resume and how do you really try to gauge, okay, how much weight are we putting in from the uh, winter championships? How about the most recent championships? Which one's a better indication of her true talent? Um... You know how what you know what are her recent results say? Her recent results into uh, this past winter, she ran back to back PRs in the mile in the three k four forty and nine fourteen, right? And you look back at her cross country season in twenty twenty one, people are going to get hung up at that forty second place finish. But guess what? She was the mountain regional champion. She was the big sky champion. She placed fourth at pre nats and she won Paul Short. So while everyone might get hung up on a 40-second place finish at the national meet, it feels fair to say that O'Neill is much, much, much better than that. Now, how much better? I don't know. Right? I mean, yes, the Winter XC Championships were, you know, a a good indication of what she can do. But are, are we ready to say that she's a top 10 name in the country now? And I don't know. I think I can understand an argument if someone's like, yeah, she's top 10. I'd say, okay. And they'd show me why. And I'd say, that makes sense. And I wouldn't argue. I don't know if I'm there yet. I'm just certainly not. Um, but do I think she's top 20? Top 30? I think she's comfortably top 40 without question. She's probably top 30 and then the arguments start uh you know is she gonna be top 20 again I, I i don't know so we'll see what happens uh who knows 
But I just wanted to give you all a little teaser, a little bit of a taste about what we have going on on the site. Again, anything I just said could completely change. I could have an argument with Ben or Mara or Gavin, and we can completely decimate these rankings and completely switch them up. Nothing that I'm saying here is set in stone. Nothing that I'm saying here should be an indication of where someone will or won't go. You know, you can probably get an idea of who's going to be in the rankings and who's not. But um, just some interesting tidbits that I wanted to share with you all. Uh, try to get out some content. Um, and this is fun. I kind of like talking to myself, right? Um, you know, I guess it's only weird if uh, I'm not doing this on a podcast. So uh, that's all I've got. If you guys could leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, leave a comment as well. That would be awesome. I would super appreciate that. Uh, but in the meantime, go enjoy your weekend, and uh, thanks for listening. Have a good one.